I'm Heidi. I'm a compulsive reader. Hi. Hi. So I'm Kate, right? Wow. Okay. Um, okay. Gosh, I'm really grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, I, a woman that I sponsor was booked tonight, and um, she can't make it, so she called me. And um, it's so funny. My first inclination is like, uh, yeah, I don't really think I can do that. <laughs> Hello, you know, it's like that's my knee-jerk reaction. No, I don't think I can do. And I'm like, wait a minute. I said, of course I can. So I'm really grateful to be here. Um, let's see. I guess I'll qualify. I um, whew, I'm a little nervous. I walked into the rooms of Overeater Overeaters Anonymous in 1993. Um, yeah, it was 93. Um, my abstinence date is February 25th, 1995. So that's uh, seven years and some change. Um, imperfect. Imperfect abstinence. Um, in terms of my body size, um, I, I, don't, I don't really know my highest weight. It was somewhere in the neighborhood of probably 25 to 30 pounds heavier than I am now. Um, for the men, this probably won't make much sense, but I was probably like a 14, 16 uh, size. Um, my lowest weight... Uh, I mean, and I'm really don't really identify as an anorexic at all. But um, my lowest weight was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 pounds. Um, today I weigh about 130 something, um, and my clothes are my barometer for the most part. I think these are an eight or a ten, um, and they're comfortable. They are comfortable. They're not cutting into me. I mean, I've got room. I suppose the visual doesn't help on the tape, but I do. I do have room. Um, Okay, so that's the body stuff. Um, and my weight's gone up and down a, a little bit in the room. So, um, at, you know, that's just my experience. And it ha it's never been a 30, 40, 50-pound weight swing, but it, I've definitely gone up and down maybe five to six pounds before. Okay, so what it was like. Um, oh, dear, what was it like? It was pretty dismal. Um, my, you know, my compulsive overeating... Um, started, I don't even know if that's the right word, but um, my first memories, I guess, is the right word to use, um, was when I was, you know, maybe, I don't know, six or seven, pretty young. Um, and, and and I want to say that the language that I'm going to use to describe what it was like, I didn't have that language, okay? You know, I mean, I just, I didn't know what was wrong with me. I just thought I had this food problem or, you know, I didn't. So a lot of the language or a lot of the insight that I have of what it was like was is only in being in recovery. Um, I didn't have this this um, jargon then. Um, so in any event, okay, so what was it like? So I was, as a little kid, I was lean. I was pretty normal um, in terms of my body size. I came from, you know, kind of a messed up family, um, but it pretty messed up family. And as my sponsor would say, well, honey, you know, alert the media, you know, who doesn't? <laughs> um, and, uh, I mean, that's just, you know, that's just what she says, and, and, and that helps me get sort of right-sized. So it was kind of a messed up family, but, you know, they were loving, and they, they, they did what they could do. Um, and in terms of food, um, I remember binging at a very early age, and, um, and again, I didn't have the language of, oh, I'm binging. You know, I didn't know that. I just knew that I, 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 I ate a lot of food. And, and I remember trying to control my food at a very early age. And one of my earliest memories um, was eating um, out of a carton of, of ice cream with a spoon. We had a dog at the time. Um, and I remember wishing I could stop, but I couldn't. You know, like seeing the level go down, 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 down. And we had a dog. The dog's name was Iger. And I thought, well, if, if, if I'm 
if I stop and I let the dog lick the spoon, then I, I wouldn't possibly then take a spoon that a dog licked and continue to eat with it. Now, I'm just a little kid, and I'm thinking of this. How I'm thinking of this, I have no idea. And so I did. You know, I let the dog lick the spoon, and then I kind of looked at it like, hmm, it's not that bad, <laughs> you know, and I kept eating, you know. So, I mean, this manipulation of trying to stop um, started at a very early age. And, again, no one gave me this idea. No one told me this. I This is me cooking it up in my own noggin at a very early age. Um, it didn't really show up on my body in terms of my compulsive overeating probably until puberty. And um, I think that that's really normal. I, I, I look at... Um, I look at young girls in the kind of 12 to 13 range, and often they do kind of plump up, you know, they start to menstruate or whatever, you know, and, and but for a compulsive overeater, it was just like, whoa, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't handle the changes my body was going through, and, and I didn't really have women around me to, to support me and to love me and to kind of guide me through, through that, that process, and um, I, I, as many women don't, um, and I really started to eat, I really, really started to eat, and I remember, um, you know, people would say things like, oh, that's too salty, that's too sweet, I'm full, oh, but it's not snack time yet, let's go play. I mean, these things meant nothing to me, you know what I mean? Seriously, I mean, I, what, too salty, too sweet, you're full, you know, come on. Um, and I didn't know why. I, again, I didn't know why. And, and I have another memory of being a very little girl and hosting a slumber party, some sort of gathering of young girls in my home. And, and we woke up the next morning and my stepmother and father were... were um, cooking, we're making like you know pancakes or whatever, and um, I remember having that tight feeling in my chest, that panic because I felt like they were going to eat all the food, and what was going to happen if I didn't get it? I mean, this is absurd. It's like four girls and like you know 99 pancakes, but I didn't think there'd be enough for me. Um, and a friend of a girlfriend of mine, you know, little girl, poured a glass of orange juice, and I said, "Stop it! You're taking too much." I just like spazzed, I just like screamed at her. And all these girls, this, I'm talking about incomprehensible demoralization. All these girls looked at me, and my stepmom looked at me, and my father looked at me as if I was an alien. <laughs> like, what are you talking about, you know? And I, and I, I was felt, I felt so ashamed, but I was panicked. You were taking too much, and I wasn't going to get enough, you know? Um, and hello, that like marks my disease, you know? <laughs> You're going to get what I have, or... I'm not going to get what I want, you know. So those are just, I just share with you those, those sort of early, early memories in terms of my disease. Um, and I don't know if, I, if the disease was, like, genetic and it's in me, and so given any circumstances I would have had this disease, or, um, or if, um, you know, because I came from this kind of messed up family and have the disease, or because I live in, you know, American culture. I mean, who knows? It really doesn't matter. And I remember I, when I was very new in the program, I had a sponsor, and she said to me, she said, um, I, I was like, oh, you know, what was me, my mom, my dad, you know, blah, 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 my stepmom. My dad, you know, was always having affairs and whatever. And, um, and, uh, and I said to her, you know, I think it's because of my family. I wouldn't have the disease if it weren't for them. And she said to me, um, I was brand new, and she said to me, you know, you may still have this disease, um, even if you came from from a different kind of home, like a more loving home or a more stable home or whatever. Um, and ooh, that pissed me off. I mean, that made me mad. Um, and I never talked to her again. So you know, <laughs> solve that problem. 
So, in any event, um, thank you. <laughs> that was my solution, you know, because um, how dare she say that? I mean, you know, how could she possibly know? So, let's see, teenage years, so I guess we're relatively normal. Um, I went to boarding school, which was probably the best thing that could have happened to me. Um, my dad, you know, in his late 50s, married like a 19-year-old. I mean, just weird stuff was going on. It was the 80s, Reaganomics, lots of drugs, lots of money, you know, it was just a wacky time. Um, and I went to this boarding school, and um, it was probably a really, really good thing. Um, and, and, and my life was relatively, I guess, normal. I would, I would get heavier and thinner, and I would um, compulsively, I found, I don't know if I found or I created or who knows what, but I, I got into compulsively exercising. Um, and living on campus, I had access to, like, the football locker room at like 24 hours a day essentially you know so um i would think nothing of midnight walking across campus and working out um in like the football locker room um like me and like the janitorial staff you know i mean seriously that's like how it was um and i became very friendly also with people in the dining hall because they held the keys to the food um so okay so so in any event what can I share um you know my my understanding of the disease or my experience of the disease I have no understanding of it um is that it is progressive and um and the disease during my childhood and adolescence I would say was not it was not killing me it just was not killing me it was annoyance it was a mystery I didn't really get it I thought maybe I'd grow out of it and people tried to help you know people would say things like oh you have such a pretty face or um oh you were so thin last summer or you know they 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 tried to be helpful and I mean that's saying that stuff to a compulsive overeater just does not for me just did not help it just it just made me filled with more shame and um you know and I dated cute boys and I was involved in theater and you know I mean so it was like it was it was good times overall um so I graduated from high school and um and then what happened? Um, well, some wacky things kind of went on, and, and I ended up moving out to Southern California because I had some family out here. And um, they they really took me in. They very much took me in. I, I didn't really have a place to go at that time. And and um, they, they really, uh, this is an aunt and uncle um, and a cousin, they really tried to offer me a home, which was, which was very generous of them. And... Um, and this is really, this is at this time my disease really took off, and and it has nothing to do with Southern California um, or anything like that. It just it just has to do, I believe, with the progressive nature of the disease. Um, and at this time I was really binging in a way um, that I that I hadn't binged previously, um, and and attempting to starve and to compulsively exercise in a way that I hadn't done before. Um, and those were probably, those, oh God, I don't know, two or three years were probably some of the darkest years of, um, of, of me for this disease. Um, let's see, I was um, stealing from my employer both money and food for money. Uh, I mean, yeah, both money for food and, and food itself. Um, I was lying. Um, you know, they talk about, you know, lower companions. I mean, I was definitely, um, you know, uh, like dating sort of alcoholic drug addict drug dealer kind of people um but on the outside everything kind of looked okay do you know what i mean like i i I was it was i was trying to manage this life that really looked relatively normal with this really dark desperate disease going on um and i remember i um 
I worked in this like little kind of shop where they sold food and knickknacks, and and um, I would always take the closing shift, which is really late at night. And if anyone knows me, I'm not a night person at all. But 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 I knew that at night there was no one around, and so I could I could just eat and eat and eat and like you know read fashion magazines and and not not serve my employer at all. I mean, just just basically steal the food. And if there was a cutesy pair of earrings that I felt I deserved, well, I'd take those too. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I mean, we're not talking like, you know, cars or diamonds or anything. But, you know, I would I would steal because I, you know, damn it, I deserved it. D- didn't you know the horrors that I had suffered? Um, and I was the kind of binger that was not dainty. I mean, my clothing was stained. I always share about this because I don't want to forget. I mean, my I didn't have a shirt that didn't have, like, chocolate, grease, ketchup. I mean, just stained, you know, because I, in the car, fast and furious, you know. I didn't, like, take the knife and the fork and, you know, cut the donut or whatever. It was, like, in the face, you know what I mean? Um, my sponsor says, you know, take out the rain gear, you know. That's how I was. I was like, ooh. Um, and at this time, my, my binging was really, really desperate. Oh, God, it was just desperate. And and the lying and the cheating and the stealing and, and all of that stuff. Um, and I couldn't stop. And I wanted to. And I did the diet clubs and the the weight, you know, the different weight loss programs and the videos. And, and I remember being in a, um, a meeting of a um, of a weight loss group. Not to say that those places don't have wonderful things to offer, but I was in one of their meetings and I was sitting there, you know, swollen and bloated and, ugh, you know, the, when your eyes are like golf balls because you've been binging and everything hurts, your skin hurts. And, um, and I'm in there just basically in a coma and, um, and, you know, you got weighed in and, of course, I was always on the way up, you know, and they go, oh, well, you know, maybe you should try the this plan or whatever. Anyway, so I'm sitting there and there's a little old lady next to me and she's lovely, you know, and she's like knitting or something and, and she says, um, she said, honey, I have got the greatest recipe for a, I think she said like chocolate pie or cho- or bust or something like that and it has no fat and no, and I, and I looked at her and I, I believe this was a spiritual experience. Now, of course, I didn't have the word spiritual experience at that time, you know, um, and I just kind of smiled and I said, okay, and, and something said to me, that is not it. You know what I mean? Like something just, something, I don't know if it was in my heart or in my head or in my gut, I don't know where it was, I just heard something say, that's not it. Because I need like 10 of them, you know what I mean? Like I just, I knew that it wasn't a problem with food, you know, and, and, and I, it wasn't like I was in OA the next day, but I, in retrospect, I believe that was, that was that, that, you know, talks about those, those moments of clarity or those little slivers of clarity. So I'll, how did I find OA? Um, one of the lovely byproducts of, um, of my disease, and I don't know if anyone can relate to this, is that I was always sick always sick. I always had some stomach thing or some viral thing or like um, I'd have wicked sinus infections and migraines and um, I mean just really, really sick, you know, and I was always on antibiotics and then I'd get resistant to the antibiotics so I'd have to take more and da 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 you know, and of course, I mean, here I was eating like crap, not taking care of myself, exercising. I didn't care if I had a broken leg. I was in the gym. Do you know what I mean? It was like, I, I mean, it's no wonder that I was take, you know, um, took such a poor care of myself. Um, I mean, my teeth, I mean, everything. I just, I didn't, I, I couldn't get it together. It just was too complicated, I guess, to be a grown-up. Um, so 
So what happened? Okay, so I'm always sick. So I was going to a community college. This is down in San Diego. And um, everyone's heard the story, but that's just my story. Um, so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you know, uh, you know, just wanting to die. And I'm all, like, heavy and puffy and unhappy. And um, and there was a sign, like, just, you know, eight and a half by 11 white piece of paper. It said, do you feel like an alcoholic with food? If so, call this number. And those words, like, pierced into my head. If you, do you feel like an alcoholic with food? If so, call this number. And, and I didn't know anything about the disease of alcoholism. I mean, that, I had no knowledge of that disease um, other than people went to A and they didn't drink, and I guess their lives got better. But, I mean, other than that, I, I, I didn't know anything. And that was probably just from, like, you know, TV or movies or whatever. Um, and I certainly didn't know anything about the disease of compulsive overeating or anorexia or bulimia or any of that stuff. Um, so what happened? So there was a phone number on this piece of paper. So I, I called this number, and it was a, it was sort of like a um, sort of it was a treatment center for people with eating disorders, and it, and I got a, I got a machine, I got a message, and it said we are patterned after the program of Overeaters Anonymous, and then blah 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 blah. Um, and I thought, well, I mean, I'm certainly not sick enough to go to a treatment plan, you know. I mean, I had all this arrogance, you know, lots and lots of arrogance. It was very smart and special. So, um, but I heard, but I heard the words Overeaters Anonymous, and I'd never heard those words before. I'd never heard those words before. And if I had, I didn't remember it, but I'd never heard those words before. So one one day, and I don't know if it was, and this is the, this is the God's honest truth. I don't know if this was six months later. Ten days later, two days later, nine months later. I mean, I have no recollection. I believe it was within a year. And it, truly, it could have been five days later. I'm, I'm living with my aunt and uncle, and they had a cabinet. And in the cabinet, this is where they kept all the cookies. And I was the kind of gal, I could not get out the door, just like I hear in AA meetings, I mean, with the coffee cup and the vodka. I mean, I could not get out the door without, you know, right here, give me the cookies. You know what I mean? Like, I could, I was you know, whatever. So, um, so I'm standing there looking at all the stuff, you know, and these weren't mine cause you know, they were theirs and, and then I have to eat them and go replace them and you know, all that stuff. Um, you know, just kind of in a coma looking at them and I looked down and there were phone books. Now these phone books had been there. I mean, this is where they kept their phone books. It was kind of like this big pantry thing. And I, I pulled out and I may have very well eaten the cookie and I have, I have no recollection of that. I mean, I'm pro- sure I did probably, but I pulled out the phone book and I went to O and I saw Overeaters Anonymous. I cannot tell you why this happened. I mean, I truly cannot tell you why any of these things, these events happened. Why did I, why did I look at the phone book? Why did I open it up? But I did because I'd heard these words and, um, and I called the number. You know, I called the number, and, you know, thank God for the seventh tradition, because there was um, a machine on the other end that answered and said, um, you know, gave directions and a time to a meeting that night. Um, it was, a, I believe it was a Monday, um, not too far from where I was. And I went. I mean, I, like, wrote down the directions and put it away, and, and, I, and I went. And... Um, and again, I don't know why I went. You know, I went alone, and I certainly didn't tell anyone because I had all this, you know, shame or pretense or whatever I had, you know. I mean, just probably, like, a lot of arrogance. And um, and I drove there, you know, and I got there, and a uh, little piece of shit car. Anyway, my little car, and I got there, and... Um, and, uh, and I walked in, and it was, I think, 7.30 to 9, you know, back in those 90-minute days. And, um, 
And um, this was in 93. I think it was like a September or August for some reason. Because um, I think the semester had just began. But again, it could have been January for all I know. I really don't know. Um, and I walked in the, the, the door. And, um, it, and it was a huge meeting. It was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 60 people. And it was theater seating. So there was like a big, you know, uh, podium and then, and then a aisle and then bunches of rows of seats on, on, on both sides. And, um, and I walked in and they said, you know, is anyone, is anyone here new? Um, well, you know, I sat in the back cause you know, that's what good newcomers do. So I sat in the back and, um, and, and at some point in the meeting they said, you know, is there anyone here for the first, second or third time? And I raised my hand. Now I, I just want to paint a picture for you. I, I'm driving this car that's, that's barely running. I mean, I can't, I can't possibly take care of myself. So how could I take care of this car? Um, I have on cutoff shorts that are very tight jeans that are, you know, very tight. I have a sh blue shirt on that's like stained and all raggy. I have flaming red hair. Okay, like the, like fire engine red hair that's really really short because I was just desperately trying to be counterculture, um, and I had these rag shoes on um, because that's these, these were the only shoes I wore. You know, these weren't the only shoes I had, but these ra these kind of like raggy sandaly shoes things. Um, so so I'm, so I'm sitting in the back and I says, "Is there anyone new?" And I raise my hand. So I, so I walk up the aisle, um, and they and you know everyone's clapping. Hey, you know, and I'm like, whoa, this is really bizarre. And this guy gives me a hug and he gives me a chip. This is welcome. And it has a serenity prayer on the other side. Um, so I went back and I sat in the back, you know. Well then, and I think I might have been the only one or, I don't know, maybe one of a few people that stood up that night. Um, so then there was a break, you know, these coffee breaks that don't really exist anymore in OA meetings. But, um, so these, these <coughs> coffee breaks. And, um, and so the coffee break, I was mobbed. You know, and, I, and I'm really, I'm not joking when I say I was mobbed. It was like I was, you know, I don't know, Mick Jagger or Claudia Schiffer or something. I don't know. I mean, I was just mobbed. And I remember these two people in particular, this one woman who was kind of heavy set with dark hair and this guy who um, was kind of older, white guy. And, um, and he said to me, it was in the little, like, kitchen area, this kitchen sort of nook area. And he said to me, um, he looked at me, okay, he looked at me in the eye which made me very uncomfortable because I, I really couldn't look at anyone in the eye. And he looked at me and he said, you do not have to live like you're living. And just like that, you, you do not have to live like you're living. You know, please, please join us or why don't you join us or something like that. And for like a split second, I felt like I was standing there with no clothes on. You know, like he had seen me in that, in that minute, you know, in that moment. And just as quick... As, as I had that feeling of, you know, being naked and whatever, in a snap, I was like, F you, F, you know, I was like, you don't know how I live. I mean, you know, I was like tough girl again, you know. But there was that little moment where, where I kind of like melted or I kind of like was seen. Um, and then instantly I, you know, was like arrogant and smug and self-righteous and dominating and all that stuff that they talk about. So, um so that was that was sort of my first OA experience, um, and the woman was very nice. She had a, little, a bit of a lighter touch, um, and they, they, you know they gave me their numbers and their business cards and everything. And I really thought, well, I could maybe try this for, you know, let's see, twelve steps, maybe twelve days. Um, you know, I, I like you know I was like I had this whole plan, like how I was going to do it, you know, um, and. Uh, and I never left, so there you have it. Um, 
so then what happened? So I didn't, I didn't stop coming. That was in 1993, and I haven't stopped coming since. Um, and that first meeting, I have to say, was pretty phenomenal. Um, and I don't know if it's that I was ready and, you know, my higher power, like, led me there, or um, that it was, like, the people that were there. I, I, it doesn't, doesn't really matter to me. Um, it, was, it was the first place that I heard people say... The first people that the first time that I heard people talk about what they did with food that I did with food. Um, I mean, I am a you know frozen, burnt, stale gal. You know what I mean? I mean, it doesn't. You know, I would gnaw on frozen Weight Watcher brownies because you know 30 seconds in the microwave is 29 seconds too long. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't. I had to get it in me. You know what I mean? Or if it was too hot. Oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, I worked in restaurants, and if it was on your plate and you didn't want it, looks good to me, you know. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I had, uh, yeah, and out of the garbage, you know, out of the garbage. And I would eat food out of the garbage, and that was not a financial necessity, you know, like I'd throw something away and then go back and get it. Um, I had more people come up to me after meetings and say, Oh, I've never done that, you know? I'm, I feel like saying, yet, honey, you know? <laughs> like, um, and that's fine, you know, like, if I'm, if I'm the sickest, then cool, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, but that's just always funny to me. Oh, I've never done that. Oh, okay, great. Um, you know, I mean, serious. People said that to me. I'm like, whatever. So, um, but yes, I did do that. So anyway, that meeting was the first place I heard people share about those kinds of things. And, um, and again, at the break, these people talked to me and, and, um, and they gave me a meeting list. I think they gave me a meeting list. I have no, I have no recollection. But I kept going back, and it was called the, it was called the Oasis, um, this, and it was like, it was like kind of a, um, like an Alano club for, um, like overeaters. And all they had were OA meetings there, and they had like a 7:30, a noon, and then a 7:30, or maybe even a five. I mean, they had this constant OA meeting, and I just went. I just jumped in feet first, and um, I mean, I think God knew that I needed to have zero life so I could be in, like, OA rehab. You know what I mean? Like, I can't imagine coming into the rooms for me, like, with kids or a partner or, like, a job. Or, you know, I mean, I was just, I was functioning just at the bottom, you know, and, and, I, and I, I'm glad because I, I was just immersed in OA. And, and I didn't get abstinent. You know, I did not get abstinent. Um, I mean, you can do the math. It was 93 and 95 when I got abstinent. So how did I get abstinent? Um, I moved up to L.A. and I believe it was... Um, 94, yeah, that's when I moved here, and um, that freaks me out, it's been so long, um, and I kept going to meetings, I mean, I just kept going to OA meetings, I didn't know any different, and I, and I wasn't abstaining, I was kind of standing a little bit, and then binging, and sort of starving a little bit, and binging, and, you know, kind of eating at crazy times, and, and you know, but I kept going to meetings, and if that's what you're doing, then, you know, welcome. Um, and so I went to this Thursday night meeting. It still exists. It's in Santa Monica. And, um, and I'd go every Thursday. And every Thursday I'd see this woman. And she was very beautiful. She was blonde, um, um, slender, you know, not underweight, but slender, very beautiful, and just had that glow, you know, like that sober, abstinent glow. Turns out she was sober and abstinent. But in any event, I didn't know that. But, you know, just that glow. I knew she was abstinent. So, 
and I hated this woman, <laughs> you know, I mean, how do you feel about those people? I hated them, you know, because they were like the happy people, you know, and, um, you know, I thought it was very sexy to be depressed and sad and dark and, you know, and whatever. Um, but I, I, I was attracted to her, you know, and, and she would talk about abstaining and she was, she had humor and she had levity and she, and she, but she was, you know, she's committed to the program, you know, it was, she wasn't frivolous, I mean, but she was just light, and, and I was anything but light, let me tell you. Um, and so one day in February, I, I guess it was February, it must have been, I came up to her after the meeting, and I, and, I, and I said, hi, maybe, probably not, I mean, I'm sure you wouldn't really want to, but could you sponsor me? And, um, I, and I, did, I said it like that, and she said, yeah, call me tonight. Uh, and I thought, well, don't you think that's a little soon to call you, <laughs> you know? The meeting gets out at like 7.30, you know? I was like, what about Sunday? Or I don't know. So um, so I called her that night, and I'm like, hi, I'm hiding, you know, whatever, and newcomer, you know, language or whatever. And, um, and she said, great, you know? And she just like, boom. She did not mess around, you know? It was like AA, big book, AA, 12 and 12. You put down the fork or you're going to die, you know? And um, and I really needed that. It was kind of the slap, slap, you're not the center of the universe. You know, shut up, sit down, take the cotton out of your ears, put it in your mouth, and uh, you'll get better. Um, and again, after meetings, people always share this with me, like, oh, that's so mean, that's not loving, la, 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 fine, you know, whatever. For me, that's what I needed. That is what I needed, you know, and I probably, I don't need that today. I don't, but that is what I needed in the beginning, absolutely. And I, I'm grateful that I got someone from, like, major kind of PG-style recovery, you know, and that's what I needed. Um, and she was loving. I mean, I don't want to paint a picture of this cruel woman. She wasn't. She was very loving. And um, and I started abstaining. And I did not negotiate with this lady. I didn't negotiate at all. I mean, she, she, and she wasn't ugly, but she was firm, you know. And if I'd call, and I was kind of like, you know, whine, 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 she'd say, you know, I think you need to, you know, r- write um, and then call me back. Or, you know, if I was, you know, doing the you, 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 or them, them, them thing, she'd say, okay, well, let's look at you. What's your part in this? You know, I mean, she really just kept steering me back to me and back to the program and to the steps and to the big book. And, you know, so then we got to step four and, um, and I, or four and five, and I, I did that, my first four step, which was so cute. It was so little, you know. I just was, didn't even know a thing, which is fine. Um, and, uh, and I met with her, and she, it, was, it was lovely. I'll never forget this. I, I wore a dress because I wanted to, 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 like, do my fist step, because I wanted to, like, look pretty, you know, because I was becoming, like, a different person, you know what I mean? Like, I, and I, I was, I was, I was becoming a different person, so I wore a dress, and I, I'll never forget it, had polka dots on it, and I, and uh, her grandmother lived in Beverly Hills, in this very posh home, and, um, and she was living there temporarily, because of transition stuff, and, and I, and I drove over, and I went to her house, and, and her grandma's house, and her grandmother was, like, this little lady, oh, hi, honey, you know, and then she kind of disappeared, and, um, and this is such a sweet memory. I don't even know why I'm sharing it, but I am. So, um, and then I remember we had Diet Coke with lemon, and um, and we sat in the back, and it was it was very beautiful, you know, with with this lawn that was like you know a golf course or whatever. And um, and I did my fifth step with her, and she gave me a little present, a little like book or a little knickknacky thing, which was so tender and it was so sweet. Um, you know, I was just like I was just I was just like a little you know duckling that just. W- wanted to wanted to be around her and stuff so um which is great it was wonderful you know um so then she moved away 
um, which kind of rocked my world, but not really, because I, at this time I had some abstinence and I had some recovery and I was plugged in, you know what I mean? So it wasn't like, she wasn't like my program, you know, she was just part of my program. So she moved away and I got another sponsor, um, short, you know, shortly thereafter. Um, and I, and I knew I needed to get another sponsor. Like it wasn't like, oh, well, she's away now I'll have no sponsor. I mean, I knew that I needed to get someone. So I asked someone else. Um, and that woman has been my sponsor for God, like seven years, um, and uh, many of you know her. She's a piece of work, uh, but, a ge- but a gem, and um, and just a blessing in my life. So you know, I have a couple more minutes. Um, so what it's like now is, um, you know, I'm abstinent imperfectly a day at a time. You know, and I really love OA. I really, really love OA, and I, and I hope that I'm here for a really long time, a day at a time. And and um, you know, I thought that if I could just like lose the weight and get this under control, you know, whatever the heck that means, then I could just you know see a goodbye. You know, I didn't I didn't intend to stay here as long as I've been here, um, and I didn't know that this would be a spiritual journey. I just had I had no concept of that, and I'm glad I didn't. You know, because I don't know if I would have stayed. You know what I mean? Like, I'm glad that it was just real simple, black and white. Go to the meeting, get there on time, leave when it's over, talk to the newcomer. I mean, I needed, like, sort of strict, simple direction. That's really all I could handle. If someone tried to talk to me about the nuances of spirituality, I I, I don't think I would have stayed. You know, I really needed really that basic, basic program. And I feel like that's how I was, like, raised in this program, on those real basic principles. Um, which for me just feels like a blessing. So, okay, what's it like now? I'm abstinent. Um, I, I work with sponsees, which is probably one of the biggest joys of my life, if not the biggest joy of my life. Um, they keep calling. Okay. Um, <laughs> some of them for years keep calling. Um, I have a sponsor, as I said. Uh, my sponsor has a sponsor, and my sponsor's sponsor has a sponsor, and she has a sponsor, okay? So this is a, this is, this is a lineage. I am not – none of us are doing it alone, you know? Um, I go to meetings, I have service commitments, um, you know, I don't know, that's just the deal, that's just what I do, it's not very sexy, it's not very elaborate, it's not a mystery, it's just as it's outlined, you know, and and um, I'll just kind of close with, um, you know, it says in, I think it's the first line of the seventh chapter, that when all else fails, intensive work with other alcoholics, and in our case, compulsive overeaters, saves the day, you know, and I had the opportunity today to, to after a meeting that I have commitment at, to um, sit with a, a new sponsee, I mean, we're talking brand new, um, to the program and everything, and do step two, you know? And just sit there and, and do step two. And it was like, whoa, what a blessing, you know. And when I'm in service and when I'm, when I'm in the program and when I'm really, you know, drink, taking all that in, I can tell you that my food becomes irrelevant. And I don't know how that works. Because my, my head says, go to work out, manage food, and life will be better, you know. And it's just the opposite. It's let go of that stuff extend my hand to the newcomer and my life gets better and that's just my that's just my experience and I hope that you know I've shared something tonight that you can you know um, you know that, that helps you or maybe it doesn't I don't know but you know my sponsor says sometimes because like I've called her before and you know gone to meetings I'm like I carried the message and no one got it you know <laughs> like how do I have the power to know that but anyway and no one got it and you know what she says to me she goes did you carry it to you you know and and I believe we we get to carry the message to others and we get to carry the message to ourselves. So, thanks.
questions, and okay. uh, please repeat the questions to Mike so we can get it. Questions from the group. Yes. question is, how do I carry the message to someone who's not in the program but may appear to need the program? That's a sticky one. It's funny that you asked that because we I was just talking about that today with someone. Um, I guess it's attraction rather than promotion, you know? I mean, I have a friend who is um, very heavy, uh, maybe three to 400 pounds, and um, she has not asked me for help, you know? And she has not said that she has a problem with her food or with her body or her self-image. Um, and, you know, uh, there's a line, I don't know where it is, it may be in some piece of literature. Oh, it's not this program. Oops, sorry. Anyway, it says um, something like, you know, when, when we give advice, we should pause and, and, and something like we should see if we've been asked, you know. And so I have to be really aware of, you know, am I giving unsolicited advice or, or, or guidance, which is crap. I mean, it's advice. Or am I... Um, or am I just an example? And it's tough. It's so hard for me to see people suffer from all the diseases, um, so much so that I go to some other rooms <laughs> to deal with that. So that's my experience with that. Yeah. Um, when you first started working with this volunteer in, in Los Angeles, was your abstinence strict, or do you recall coming mm-hmm. like, about abstinence? Okay. The question is, how, what was my early abstinence like? Um, it was not strict. I mean, it was essentially three, you know, buffets a day with nothing in between. I mean, I, I did not go, you know, I, I ate a lot. Um, I didn't really restrict, as it were, anything um, because I needed to, and this is just for me, everyone's different, but for me, I just needed to, like, stop eating and learn how to eat, like, breakfast food for breakfast, lunch food for lunch, and dinner food for dinner. And some of those meals in the early days, today, would probably not be real comfortable meals. But in the beginning, it was the best I could do. The other thing was the sugar. No sugar. Because I, for me, it's like alcohol. Or, or, excuse me, like alcohol for the alcoholic. (laughs) Um, You know, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't stop. Like, my... You know, my off switch is broken. And, and you want to know what's funny is, you know, talk about my arrogance, God, um, or self-centeredness. When she told me, look, I really don't care what you eat, you know, th- just three times a day with a stopping, you know, stopping with, you know, life in between. Um, I thought, oh, this just cracks me up, but I'll just say it. I thought that she wanted me to be fat, like to make her look better. You know, like I thought, seriously, like I thought that, that, that she wasn't giving me the diet because she wanted me to, to stay heavier, to be heavier, you know. And what was hilarious about that, I mean, in retrospect, was that, I mean, I lost weight. You know, I think my body was like, oh, thank you, you know. I mean, I think it was like, okay, you know, because I would, like, starve all day, binge at night, eat all day, starve at night, exercise all morning, binge all day, exercise all – I mean, I, I would think nothing of being in a gym – from 5 to 11, 6 to 11 in the evening. That seemed real normal to me, you know? So um, that's that's how it was in the beginning. Yeah. Um, I just had a question. Um, I'm not like early steps, but I still have been put the food down. I'm still finding that I'm emotional bitches with you know, people in my life and um, 
especially for Thursday. <laughs> and um, I know I need to bite my lip, you know, or, or just shut up. That's the whole. I just need to shut up. It's just not that important. I keep bringing the acceptance for and making, you know, my sobriety and relation to my um, my acceptance and all that. Um, I guess my question is, you know, if, um, how did you get to? I mean, a period of that. I'm afraid that if I I don't have some way to deal with people, then I'm going to get back in the food. You know, like I always hear this stuff about don't shut, shut up, shut down. Totally, you have to have this. You know, I feel like I'm a black and white addict. You know, it's like I'll let someone totally railroad me, or I will stay until my tongue kills them, which is myself railroading these days. I just wondered what your experience is, or maybe was the I don't know if you remember it early on, but you know, how do you, you know, somehow can calm myself I'm going to repeat the question, and I probably will get it wrong. But um, the question is how how to deal with people in early abstinence, and how to maybe speak up for yourself when needed or or not when needed. That kind of um, I don't I don't know. I guess it's just practice. You know, I mean, I I um, I don't I don't really remember that those experience. I mean, in early abstinence, I think it was just so precious and so unique to be abstinent or to have some sanity around food and body stuff that I don't even know that I paid attention to, to anything else really. Um, but I know for now, um, I mean, with a God of my understanding in my life and with the steps and, um, and with my fellows that I, I run almost I mean, I run almost everything by my sponsor, almost everything. Um, difficult phone calls, difficult conversations. Um, you know, the holidays are upon us. And um, uh, let's see. Um, um, my partner and I are not invited to spend the holidays with my family. Um, and, you know, whatever. But... Um, but sometimes we are and sometimes we're not, so it's a little confusing. So in any event, what I, what I get to learn is, is when do I, you know, like I asked, you know, what's going on for the holidays, and I got a lot of vague answers, which means, you know, we're not invited, <laughs> probably. And then, but then I had like a plan B, you know, or maybe that really was a plan B and I had a plan A. But, but to, to really, and, and, and that's, maybe that's not very relevant to your question, but is to, is I run things by my sponsor and I run things by my fellows. And um, my sponsor says, if you, I love this, if you get a good idea, and I've heard this from other people, so it's not just her, if you, if you get a good idea from your um, higher power, make sure you check it out with an earthling, you know? And <laughs> that really has helped me, you know? I mean, in the program, you know? Um, and, and one who maybe knows you pretty well, because my sponsor knows my stuff, and there are other women in the rooms who know my stuff. So I'm not sure if that answers your question, but it's just practice. And, 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 and it can be really sloppy, you know? I was, I was given permission that, yeah, recovery can look really sloppy. And I, and I don't, I mean that um, sort of, Figuratively, not literally, but yeah, we make mistakes and we do things. And I mean, I, you know, just because I got abstinent, I didn't stop stealing, <laughs> you know, and I didn't stop lying. And I, you know, I mean, slowly over time I did, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, I was abstinent and suddenly I'm this, you know, like moral, uh, centered, serene person. I mean, I was just a nut job. I mean, in any, some respects, being abstinent, you're kind of crazier than you are <laughs> eating, because at least with the food, you can kind of 
squelch it and kind of keep it room, keep it down, you know. So, mm-hmm. hope that answers your question. Is that it? No? Yeah. About the um, the question is, how do I, what's my definition of gauging imperfection with respect to abstinence? And um, did you talk to my sponsor today? My yeah. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, okay. Um, you know, three meals a day with nothing in between. Um, breakfast food for breakfast, lunch food for lunch, dinner food for dinner. Um, something in between if there's going to be a long period of time between a meal because I don't believe in like starving between meals for me. Um, uh, no binging um, and um, and no sugar. And I have been, um, God, I don't know, maybe six months, a year, I have been dancing, which is a maybe a you know polite way to put it but um with with sugar and try you know and kind of doing a little bit of kind of a little bit of this kind of a little bit of that and um and I really called into question my abstinence you know does that mean I'm still abstinent if I'm kind of doing a little bit here and there um and the direction I've been given and this is so typical of my sponsor is um knock it off you know and she talks about um and I love this image is um, is a Russian as playing Russian roulette um, that I may not you know I can eat something and wake up the next morning and be perfectly sane and happy and thin and oh great you know and maybe I have it again two days later and then maybe two months later I have it again and then maybe the fifth time I have it ten months later I'm out you know it's like the loaded chamber and she says to me honey I hope you don't hit a loaded chamber you know, and maybe that's gruesome, and maybe that's threatening, and maybe that's punitive. I don't know, but it helps me. So, so pushing pushing the envelope and um, and and dabbling in areas that that are um, not real kosher for me means imperfect. But but also imperfect means you know I don't eat like brown rice tofu and like you know broccoli. I mean I would just die if that was what I had to eat every day. Now I like those foods, but I also eat like burritos and pizza and hamburgers and you know steak and you know I I eat really pretty much anything. Um thank you God, you know, thank you God. I eat those things. So hope that answers your question. Okay, great. Thanks for letting me be a service. Thank <laughs> you.